Welcome back, Richard. It's it's good to see you on our regularly scheduled recording morning. Back to back to our regular day, and today is significant. Yes, today is significant because today is the um, fall equinox, autumn equinox. So, for those of you who are at the edge of your seat, <clears throat> there's an equal number of daylight and dark hours today. Same number of hours. And from now till December 21st, the day's daylight will become shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. Today, today it's equal, the, the autumn equinox. Yeah. And hopefully the um, things will continue to be a little bit cooler here. It, the, the evenings have gotten a little bit cooler here. So that's been... Did nice. you notice it this morning? That the Not as much humidity. I, I stepped out and it's the first day that I thought, wow, there's, the, the humidity is... Yeah, hopefully, right. Warm, but yeah. not humid. And now here's the um, the transition from that to our topic for the day is with the cooler weather comes the the holidays, oh, and, and with the holidays comes anxiety, comes stress, and um, so today we're going to talk about anxiety and talk about really the the significance of anxiety. Today we 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 live in a we're living in a world right now where there's um, there's stress from all over the place, um, just about anywhere you look, and that's for many people is leading to to anxiety. Yeah, I don't know whether it's um, I don't know whether uh, nationwide people are feeling anxiety, but we certainly are in Florida, mm-hmm. uh, especially during hurricane season and um, the, uh, many changes and rapid growth and population growth, and so in Florida we. Certainly in Florida, we're feeling it. I'm, I'm not sure that the rest of the country is feeling it as acutely as we are. But anxiety is on the rise. It seems to be increasing. And so we're going to talk about it today. And there's a there's a great article that appeared just out of nowhere about what's fueling six common habits that uh, is fueling our anxiety. Mm-hmm. And in the article, she makes two points. Point one is that anxiety is sort of our body's smoke alarm. Yeah. We've kind of touched on this issue before, that anxiety tells us something is wrong. And like a smoke alarm in your house, it doesn't, the smoke alarm doesn't think, it doesn't do anything. It just says, hey, folks, something is wrong. You may want to check it out. Okay. It's up to us to check it out. And I think that's a, that's a good thing to keep in mind as, as any person struggles with anxiety. Remember that anxiety is just your smoke alarm. It tells you that something is amiss. Take a closer look at it and see if you need to do anything. Is there a fire in the house or did you burn your toast? And right. That's what you need to figure out. Absolutely. And, and I think it's such a, you know, as you said, we, we've talked about this before. And, you know, so many of the things that um, that, that can lead to just, you know, mental health conditions or mental, mental illness, um, such as anxiety, you know, it begins so often with, just a message from our body that something is wrong, you know, um, you know, whether you're thinking about depression or you're thinking about anxiety or you're thinking about lots of other things. The, the idea is that your body is trying to communicate something to you. And depending on how you handle that message, it's either going to lead to some resolution where you're going to manage whatever the the conflict or issue is, Mm-hmm. Or it could lead to mental health problems because you're avoiding those issues or you're making those issues worse in some way. And right. it's leading to some mental health problems. And, and we're going to get into that in the, into the second point that she makes 
in the article, but it, it's so important that we begin with that, that, that so many things mm-hmm. in with just, it's just a message from our body that we need right. to pay attention to. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast about um, uh, what, to, what to do about things and, and not just to rely on symptoms right? And, and just to say, well, I have these symptoms, so I must be depressed or I have, I'm a little bit anxious, so let's do deep breathing. Um, and once again, I think we want to repeat that, reiterate that point that if your body's telling you you're anxious, don't just deal with the anxiety. Don't just say, okay, let, what do I need to do to relax? Because um, it's like taking an aspirin. Yeah, you can take an aspirin for a headache, but it might be more serious than that. So if you're having chronic headaches, then you may want to see a specialist. Okay, It's the same with this. Um, don't just reach for a quick fix. You know, there's a lot of information coming out about benzodiazepines today. Mm-hmm. And frequently people will feel anxious. So they'll pop a benzodiazepine, take a Valium or take some kind of medication, cause their anxiety, but doesn't solve the problem. Right. So once again, are the curtains ablaze or did you burn your toast? And that's what we're going to talk about today is that let's go, let's take one step further and say, why, what is the smoke alarm trying to tell me and what should I do about it? Right. Absolutely. And so the second point that she makes with, with in the article is um, she's talking about these six things that right. we're, that's happening today that, that many people are doing that is really fueling and, and stoking the anxiety that we're experiencing. And, and the first thing that she talked about talks about is black and white thinking. And I, and I think that the, it's great that this is number one on the list because right. my goodness, it is so true that people, um, many people now have a tendency of, of think it's all or nothing. Either, mm-hmm. either I'm a, a tremendous success or right. I'm a, a lousy failure and mm-hmm. there is nothing in between. And, and it's leading to so many people experiencing significant stress and anxiety because they just um, they, they can't see any variations in between. Right. This I think, you know, the, uh, don't you think this is particularly um, applicable to young people, teenagers, for example? Absolutely. It's that they'll fail a test, you know, um, and for, Bernie, how many times have you dealt with that? Well, I got a, I, I failed my math test. So I'm not good at math. Right. Okay. And I should stop to no, you failed a math test, figure out why. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether you failed a quiz or you're you're you missed a sale or you burned a, a dinner that you were making. It all that means is that you're human and you make mistakes and sometimes you fall short. It doesn't mean you're a failure. You know, right. somebody said you don't fail until you quit. As long as as you're doing something, you're not a failure. So this idea that a simple failure is cat is um, means that means that you are a failure. No, your failures are setbacks there. And you learn from those failures. Right. Don't define who you are. Absolutely. Because, you know, we we talked to a a student who failed a test and they they say, you know, I'm I'm not good at math. I I failed this test. I'm not good at math. And you, you talk to them for a few minutes and you find out, well, there was something happened at the home last night and they were up all night. And so they didn't, they were sleep deprived. And so they were falling asleep during the math. Well, okay, so that has nothing to do with math. That has to do with, you know, you were, you were tired. So right. yeah, definitely the black and white thinking is an issue. This, the second thing she mentions is avoidance. Right. And again, this is something that I think that um, I probably say the most 
most often to patients who are experiencing anxiety is that the more that you avoid the issue that that's making you anxious, the more that you avoid it, the more anxious you're going to become. That's right. It, it fuels your anxiety. Right. It, it's it's very paradoxical that and and anxiety is cruel in that way that the thing that seems to relieve anxiety the most, avoiding the thing that makes you anxious, is actually the thing that's going to make that anxiety worse and and less tolerable in the future. Right. You know, when people come in and they they say they're anxious and they're not sleeping, and you have to walk them through these things because frequently. If if you're that anxious that you're not sleeping, you have to look at these six things. And we're going to talk about six different reasons people that, that fuel our anxiety. You have to sit down and figure out what are you doing? I have a thing in my life right now, doesn't matter what it is. I'm avoiding it. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of number two. Okay. I just don't want to deal with that right now. And the law, but it's absolutely true. The more I avoid it, the more anxious I'm becoming about it. You know, right. whether the it's you avoid it. The more you avoid it, the more anxious you become about it, which means that the more you're going to avoid it. It's a cycle. Right. So you have to you have to you have to think about this is what what are you thinking about? What's going on? And let's try to identify that and deal with that rather than popping a pill or doing deep breathing or, or some other strategy. Yeah, your anxiety is relieved. But if you haven't paid your credit card bill, the anxiety is still going to be there. It's going to keep coming up. Absolutely. Now, the third thing on her list, I think that, you know, you you need to hear, and that is seeking reassurance. And, you know, on the surface, and and even with the things that you just mentioned, taking deep breaths and things like that, they sound that these things are things that can definitely help, they can relieve your anxiety, they can they can make it better. But the problem is, is if we're not careful, we become dependent on them. Um, you know, if the only way that you can, you know, resolve an issue, the only way that you can, you know, um, take some of the steps that you need to take to, mm-hmm. to solve some problems in your life is if somebody else is there to to provide reassurance and support right. and, and, and root you on. Well, what that means is now you're dependent on that person. And if and if that person's not there, then you're not going to be able to do it. You're not really dealing with the anxiety. You're 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 treating the anxiety, which again, on a case by case situation or in particular situations, that may be fine. But to use it or, or rely on it is really a kind of a slippery slope when it comes to your ability to manage and deal with these things on your own. Right. Um the the trap that you get into with this seeking reassurance is that uh, you're trying to make a decision about house renovation. How many people do you have to check with? Right. <laughs> you know, I, I checked with three people and two said this and one said this. Should I get a fourth opinion or a fifth opinion? How many opinions are enough? Okay. Right. And if you can't decide what you want, if you don't know what you want, I mean, that that's what you have to to do is you have to figure out what do I want and I'm happy, I'm comfortable, I'm confident that I'm making the right decision for me. Otherwise, how many opinions are you going to get before you're satisfied? And you have to check before you can make a decision. So again, if you're if you're not sure, if you don't have enough opinions, then you're going to go into avoiding. You're not going to do anything. And so so the two are related. But you know, how much reassurance is enough? And and theoretically you'll never get enough opinions. Right. 
right? Yeah, it'll, it'll just continue. So mm-hmm. the fourth uh, point that she makes, again, is another really good one that we often talk to patients about, and that yeah. is catastrophizing. Right. So this is a situation where you're, you're, you're dreading or you're really anxious about an upcoming scenario mm-hmm. or situation or circumstance. And all that you think about is the worst case scenario. Right. Um, you're, you're overestimating the, the, the dread or the, um, the potential negatives of it. And you're completely underestimating your ability right. to manage it or anything positive that could come from it. That's right. And, and so you're, you're, you're creating a catastrophe. You're catastrophizing this scenario to the point that, again, it's making it, we can go back to avoiding or we can go back to any, re, the need for reassurance. It's, it's really pushing you back into some of those other um, pitfalls because all you're thinking about is the worst case scenario. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is really common. I mean, yeah. people people do this routinely is they go right to the worst case, you know, and, and you want to back up and say, wait a minute, what what is the worst thing that can happen? And typically, if you walk somebody through this, they'll say to you, well, this, you know, I would get fired. And then what do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, I have to get another job, right? So even if you get to worst case, you can manage worst case. Right. So it's not just that, and you're right, it's not just that you're overestimating the damage, you're underestimating your ability to deal with it. Right. Most of us are going to deal with whatever we get. You have the capacity. Right. And, and you know, and, and the example that you use is terrific because, you know, what I find myself talking to the patients about who who make those kind of statements is, you know, so what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I could get fired. Well, you don't really like that job any either way. Anyway, do, do you? Because... You know, if you if you really like your job, you probably wouldn't be stressed out about it so much like yeah. this. And so, all right, so let's think about how we're going to deal with that. And you know, again, it, we get to problem solving as opposed to catastrophizing. So, you know, my, one of my kids ran into something like that a short time ago, and I said, "Life throws you this stuff." But I said, "It, it, it we've all experienced it, but maybe this is not the job for you." I mean, you you, you talk about all these bad things. Maybe maybe what your smoke alarm is telling you is that maybe it's time for a change. Maybe this is a good thing. Right. Absolutely. Now, the fifth thing mentioned in the article is negative self-talk. Right. Okay. Very common thing that happens. And really, as this sounds, it's just a, our tendency to be much more critical, much harsher with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Than we would be with anyone else. You know, how many times do people do we say things to ourselves that we would never say to or about somebody else mm-hmm. you know exactly. we we are so self-critical so much negative self-talk that again mm-hmm. it just contributes to and feeds that anxiety right yeah most of us are going to be harder on ourselves than we are on anybody else mm-hmm. okay and, and you need to remember that when you get into these situations when you're feeling anxious remember you're probably being harsher than you need to be because you wouldn't do this with anybody else Absolutely. Now, the last thing that's mentioned is people pleasing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we see this so often, it, surprisingly, I think we, we see this a lot with teenagers, you know, where they're so concerned about what their peers think or say, or um, what how it's going to look to other people, you know, adults and parents and, and, and all they experience this as well. But we especially see this in teenagers where they are so concerned because teenagers go through this phase where they sort of imagine themselves on stage, right? Yeah. 
and everybody in the world is looking at them, even though yeah. nobody yeah. is, you know, right. they, they imagine, imagine that everybody is looking at them. And so right. they are so concerned about how it's going to appear to others that they overthink and overestimate and under um, predict. And, and they do all of these things that we're talking about all for the sake of pleasing other people. Right. You know, you mentioned the holidays earlier. The holidays are coming. And when I think of the holidays, I think of a space shuttle hurtling, hurtling back to Earth in flames, you know, because that's what it, that's what it feels like, you know, like we're hurtling in flames toward the holidays. But throughout the holidays, you're you're going to feel pressure to do things that you don't want to do. You don't really want to do it, but you're doing it to make other people happy. OK, right. certain amount of that is good. But if your anxiety is produced because you're trying to make other people happy, you need to step back and give that a little bit. You got to think about that a little bit. Right. Yeah. So just just to reiterate that, because that's a really important point. If your self-worth depends on other people, if your self-esteem, how you view yourself, how you you know um, estimate your abilities is dependent upon what other people say or do. Mm -hmm. And that's a concern. And we need to we need you need some to work with someone to help build those skills so that you can be self-reliant. You can, you can depend on yourself for that reassurance and that confidence um, yeah. and being dependent on other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have to take medication to get through the holidays, maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to rethink the holidays, maybe rethink your approach to the holidays and what's really, what's really going on underneath it all. Right. Absolutely. Right. So, so with these things that we tend to do, and, and again, these, as this author suggests, you know, these are tendencies that are, are certainly on the rise. More and more people are doing these things. You know, think let's think about some things that we can do to to deal with it, to to help um, alleviate some of this anxiety. And the first thing that's mentioned is, you know, grounding. Right. Uh, you know, you mentioned taking deep breaths earlier. These are there, there are strategies that we can do to help relax and to calm some of our anxiety right. that are very beneficial now, you do those things, you calm the anxiety, and then you deal with it. Right. You don't you don't use these strategies to calm the anxiety and then continue to avoid. Right. That's not right. helping anything. Right. You, you, you engage in some of these things. Again, like um, deep breathing, um, going for a walk, mindfulness um, strategies that we've talked about in previous podcasts. You use these, these strategies to calm the anxiety so that you can then address the issue. That's right. Oh. That's right. It's like what we said about medication a few weeks ago. You take medication to reduce symptoms so that you can do the work. Right. This is the same thing. You use these strategies so that you can do the work. You don't use the strategies, maintain the maladaptive thinking. You know, you, okay, I'm going to do deep breathing, but I'm not going to, but I'm going to keep avoiding my credit card bill. Okay. That's not how this works. You do the deep, you reduce the anxiety so that you can do the work that you have to do. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. the, the second thing to consider is, is getting professional help. Um, you know, those, those common strategies that we just mentioned are, are great for, for many people, probably most people, right. but there are those who are going to need some additional help. And, and that help may be to get to get medication as you suggested but it also may be just to find other strategies or to work through other issues that are sort of um at the root of some of these issues and it could be issues from the past it could be things that are ongoing in your life that you're not really fully aware of that's that's contributing to the anxiety uh, but seeking professional help is 
somebody's going to help you find strategies and help you find ways to cope with these issues. Right. And and finally, maybe maybe anxiety is a secondary emotion. Maybe that's not the, you know, one of the things we're we're beginning to understand with ADHD is that ADHD usually is a cluster that includes ADHD, anxiety, and depression. And, and typically a person could have all three. Maybe your anxiety is really um really secondary to some other emotion or some other feeling or some other thing that's going on in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now there there are um there are many other things that you can do to to help address these issues. You can, you know, we've talked before about being active, you know, exercising. A minute ago, we mentioned going for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of um, times we when we are physically active, um, if you think about anxiety as energy, you know, right. getting out and burning energy, you know, you utilizing some of that energy can help. It can help alleviate some of that some of that stress. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. It yeah. was interesting that just about the time that we were we were putting this uh, this together, another article appeared out of the blue um, that that has a whole list of things you could do to reduce anxiety. And when we looked into that, lo and behold, what did we find? And most of them are about exercise, what you know, the food and beverages, things that you're eating and drinking, mm-hmm. and um, so nutrition, exercise, and sleep. If you tend to be anxious, mm-hmm. you always, and we've said this many, many times, whether it's depression, anxiety, no matter what you're dealing with, make sure that you're eating, sleeping, and um, exercising because you're going to have to maintain those good life habits in order to reduce anxiety. Okay. Right. So many of these, and the first one they put up there is be active. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have to stay active, you have to get rid of this energy and anxiety. And the more you exercise, the better you're going to feel. Absolutely. And I've talked before about, there was a, a patient that I saw some time ago and, you know, he, he came in because he was struggling with, with anxiety. And um, he, he talked about, as we worked through it, it, it ends up where for some reason, anytime he was getting in his truck, now he wasn't anxious about driving, but when he would get in his truck, he would feel this anxiety as he, as he's driving, it would just significantly increase wasn't related to traffic. It wasn't related to anything, but we, we whittled it down to um, when he, every, anytime he got in his truck, he had a, a basically a cup of caffeine, whether it was coffee or, or some soda. And he smoked, um, he was smoking cigarettes, um, uh-huh. which is another stimulant and nicotine can be another si- stimulant. And so we cut those two things out and his anxiety significantly decreased, decreased enough to where he was able to manage it. So, you know, limiting alcohol and caffeine, making sure that you're eating um, and a, a good diet, um, and that includes beverages that you're drinking and things like that. If you're managing those things, you're going to have some, it's going to have some effect on your anxiety. Right. That's right. And so, so you have these three things, nutrition, exercise, and sleep. You have to address those. Um, you know, people, People will say, well, I don't know why I'm so anxious. And you talk about their sleep and they say, well, no, I don't sleep very much. Well, why not? Well, I'm kind of watching movies on my computer. And, you know, yeah, if you're if you're not sleeping well, um, it's going to make everything worse. So you have nutrition, sleep, exercise, and then self-care, meditation. Uh, we talked about grounding techniques, you know, moving to a different place, um, breathing exercises, which just introduce more oxygen into your system. So you can do these things all on your own, or you can move toward, uh, you can get help from others. 
Right. And, and that kind of falls into three categories. There are, there are lots of professional treatments you can use, different forms of psychotherapy, um, cognitive behavioral therapy is the one that we talk about most often, but there are many other kinds of things. Something called ACT, um, acceptance and commitment therapy, um, which is also becoming um, more common. And then of course, the final medication. I mean, yeah. you, may, you may need to take some medication. Like once again, to reduce you, the symptoms enough that allow you to do the work that you have to do to think through this thing. What am I doing? Am I avoiding? Am I catastrophizing? You need a clear head to do that. And if you're overwhelmed by your emotions, maybe it's time to take a little bit of medication, reduce the symptoms, then you can then you can deal with the, the underlying problem. Absolutely. Now, see, you may be saying to yourself, yeah, I have some of these things and I'm trying to work through them. Um, but we, we were talking about maybe seeing a professional. So when when do I need to see a professional? Th- this really goes back to, again, what we've talked about many times before on the podcast, and that is anytime your functioning is 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 getting um, influenced, right. you know, mm-hmm. if, if you can't control your anxiety, if you're having difficulty functioning, getting having difficulty getting your work done, meeting obligations, um, if you're not sleeping, you're, you're having poor appetite, your, your diet is, is really off and, and you just can't seem to get it back. Um, mm. Physical symptoms, any of these things that are really affecting you physiologically or affecting you functionally, that's a, that's a, these are good cues to, to maybe talk to a professional and get some additional help. Right. If you find yourself really angry, you're lashing out at people, you're not sleeping well, you're not paying attention at work. Um, you find yourself being short-tempered, or you're just moody and irritable. These are all signs that maybe it's time to seek some professional help just to sort it out. You're going to have to sort all this stuff out. And sometimes um, talking to another person will help you sort out and get to the the root cause where you want to go. You want to get to the cause of whatever's uh, behind this. So talking to somebody else helps you to clarify your thinking so that you can deal with it. Absolutely. All right. So I think that's it for today. Um, You know, definitely, you know, examine, you know, do some self-reflection, examine what's going on within your body. If you're, especially if you're experiencing some anxiety, there's plenty happening in the world today that can cause anxiety and and really foster it and and keep it, keep it going. We we have to start a school. We have, you know, our political situations are, are very anxiety producing. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And just the the state of the can, the, the world today um, can be anxiety producing. So, but I like your first comment about the holidays are coming. Yeah. You know, that's always a very very stressful time of year. So, as you you know, like you say, the start of school, the holidays, we have a presidential election. All this stuff is going to um, is going to affect you. And so, be aware um and be mindful but don't just treat the symptoms okay make sure you're looking at the root cause absolutely and it's funny that we mentioned the presidential election which is still over a year away still a year away yeah. we're still going to be dealing with that so um right. yes mm-hmm. be use some of these strategies and and just you know do that self-reflection and be mindful of it so all right mm-hmm. until next time stay happy stay healthy and forget to be afraid